0: pet chat and good afternoon Cheryl Shaw you're back ready for another big week what will you be talking about with us today
1: dogs that pull on their leash you know those ones that you see them pulling their owners down the street we're going to give you some (laughs) advice
0: and maybe for those who've got children that do the same thing they pay (laughs) attention good afternoon to you Gina what's going on with your boxer dog at Madawi
2: hello Gina
3: yeah Tina
2: Tina sorry hello
3: that's okay not a problem um, I've got a three-year-old boxer who this year has decided that she doesn't want to sleep in a kennel. Um, she's a very edgy dog. I think she's been spooked by mm-hmm. something in that kennel. Um, I've tried everything. I've um, put treats in there to try and to encourage her to go in there. I've scrubbed the kennel out. I've um, even got her brother, who she plays with quite often, um, to lay on her bedding to give the scent that he's there. I've even got in the kennel with her, um, and I just can't get her in there to sleep at night. So I've had to um, go to putting a jumper on her at night and um, uh, a coat to keep her warm, because she sleeps outside in the garden.
2: Mm. Can so you suggest anything? How old is she again? You she's
3: three, so three. she's had two years in that kennel.
2: I'm, I'm, I'm going to say I'm short of answers for this one because it sounds like you've done pretty much all the right things, but obviously there's something has altered uh, her perception. Whether it's a safety thing or she's, I don't think it'll be like a temperamental thing because no. you, you've kind of set up the idea that that's where the dogs are going to sleep. So, yeah. um, and you know, the idea of scent was really important. I think that's a good idea. Yeah. It may be worth looking at getting some of the dog pheromone spray called DAP. What's that called? C? D, D for dog. Yep. D-A-P spray. Okay. Yep. yep. Um, so this is quite good at reducing kind of those environmental influence of anxieties and things like that. Some dogs, maybe that's all that you need to do uh, if there is an underlying anxiety. And th- this would require a bit more in-depth investigation to really tease it out. That um, you know, we will look at medication, but certainly a yeah. be- behavioural uh, modification approach that you've taken. So, where do you feed the dogs? Where are, where's that
3: happening? Uh, she she gets fed right next door to a kennel, but we have lizards uh, and frogs, and and because she's a very edgy dog anyway for a, mm. a boxer, you know, she's one I've had that yep. spooks at the jump of a hat. So, whether there was a lizard or something like that in the kennel. Um,
2: yeah, dogs are dogs. Her out. Dogs often display curiosity in that kind of uh, environment, in that scenario. Although, as you said, if she's a an anxious dog normally, mm. then certainly something like that could trigger it. Um, yeah. Is she trying to come inside, or is she happy to sleep outside of the?
3: Camp? Oh no, she loves sleeping outside. She comes inside when we're in. Okay, um, but you know we're on three-quarters of an acre, so she she loves the backyard, and um, she has no in- intention of wanting to sleep inside.
2: Oh, okay.
1: Have you tried moving the kennel to another location?
3: Oh, I could do that. Mm. I'll give anything a go. <laughs>
1: Yeah, Um, just just in case there is something there, like I know at home I've got a lot of possums that are jumping around at the moment and they're a little bit freaky. Um, So, you know, if your dog's on on edge anyway, if you try moving the kennel to another location and again feeding close by that kennel or even putting the bowl of food in the kennel Mm -hmm. and and just see how if if that can help her overcome the, the issue that she's got at the moment.
3: Yeah, but see, she's not even going into the kennel to eat the treats and if I give her a treat outside the kennel, she'll eat it. If I put it in the kennel, she won't. Yeah. No. And I leave a trail. So, yeah, she only goes in as far as she can stretch. Oh. And then she gets back out again.
2: I'd try try that idea of moving the kennel. I'd try the DAP spray. um, And otherwise, I think that something has spooked her, as you said. It might take a bit of time for her to then return to sleeping inside the kennel.
0: Thank you very much for that, Tina, and good luck. And you're not going to believe this, Cheryl. I was actually about to pipe in and say if you thought about moving the kennel so you did that.
1: Oh, there you go, Mark. You've been
0: listening. Great minds. I've been (laughs) listening to your program. Don't worry. (laughs) Now, you want to stick with with dogs for a moment. Um, We sort of see this every now and then. It's not uh, not owners walking the dogs, but dogs walking the owners. I know. Uh, A bit scary. It is. Particularly if you've got a big dog.
1: Yep. But, you know, if you're walking your dog, it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be pleasant. But when they're pulling you, it's really exhausting exercise. And what actually happens, people go, I'm not going to walk anymore. It's just way too hard. So the dog misses out on going out. But there's a few things you can do to help this. If you've got an excitable dog, before you head out to go walking, Take your dog in the yard and have a bit of a play. Throw a ball if the dog is motivated by balls and have a bit of a play around just so you can um, you know, get rid of a little bit of the excess energy that the dog has. Now... When you've got your dog on leash, it's really important that you don't allow your dog to, to go forward before you. You want to keep it at what we call the heel. And it's really important that you understand what the heel's all about. Don't give the dog the whole amount of the leash to use. Because, Mark, what happens there? If you've got the whole leash out, the dog's pulling you along. And that's where we get this mm-hmm. pull situation. Now, It's funny for
0: those who watch it. (laughs) I know, but it's not
1: good for the dog and it's not good for the owner because, like I said, if they're so strong, they're boisterous, Mm -hmm. you're not going to enjoy having that walk and the dog's going to miss out on going out. Now, you need to keep your dog under control. It's important for their safety, for your safety and for other pets, but it's never too late to start lead training. So if you do have a puller... What I suggest is that you get some really good treats. Put them in a little bum bag or a little pouch that you can have with you when you're going on the walk. Now, if your dog starts to pull, you need to stop. Now, don't yell at the dog. Don't, you know, yell at it or yank it back by the the leash. You need to get it to stop. So you stop walking. You ask the dog to sit. You give the dog a treat. And then when everything's settled, you start walking again. Now, if the dog pulls, you stop. You don't go forward.
0: Oh, it just gets used to the fact that, hang on, if I do this behaviour, we're stopping, yep. nobody's going anywhere. Yep. So and yep. then, it, in a way it's rewarded for the, the the good walking by the fact that it gets to do more walking.
1: Yes. And another thing you can try if it's not going terribly well with the, the start, stop, sit, reward, is actually turn and go the backwards. So reverse your direction so that the dog isn't pulling you. So when you're walking forward, the, the dog pulls you just turn around and go the opposite direction. So the dog is then waiting for your clues about which direction you're heading. You're nodding your head there. You understand that I one, think Mark? I
0: think so. I think so. I think i are getting there.
1: Okay. So it's really important. What happens with the dog, if it's kept on your left-hand side, that's where we do all of our dog training from. So if you're in the confirmation ring showing a dog. If you're if you're doing um, guidance dogs, so for guide dogs, um, for dogs in therapy, they're all walked on the left hand side. Even a gun dog, they're all on their left. Is that
0: right? Yeah. Oh, that's that, that's thrown me out because I'm a right. I have everything on my right, so I would walk a dog on my right, make a move from my right. Everything's on that side, not okay. the other side. Very, okay. Very confusing. <laughs> well, if, if, if gonna, I want to,
2: you're going to listen to Cheryl. I'm trying. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm so, learning
0: something. So the
1: left hand side is really important because the dog is wanting you to give it clues about what to do. So it's reading your body language. If it's at your heel so right by your foot on your left hand side as you step off the dog knows oh we're going to go forward if you don't move your foot the dog knows we're not going anywhere so again when I was saying about the training of the dogs for like guide dogs the gun dog it was really important that the gun dogs be on the left because the the shooter is going to have his gun in his right so all mm. of these sort of things are really important to understand how the dog picks up on moving forward now, often it's because the, the puppy hasn't been given the right training in the beginning. Or being
0: walked on the right.
1: <laughs> or oh, oh, walked across and everywhere so it doesn't know what to do. So it's really important. I can't stress enough. Don't yell at the dog. You need to go back to basic training. Get the dog to sit, give the dog rewards and move forward. You might not get around the block, let alone, you know, a, a kilometre away from home. It's going to take time. There's other things that you've got to consider too. Some dogs will continue to pull on their collar. So, David, with your breed, you have to use a um, a harness, wouldn't you?
2: Um, I find walking with the harness can sometimes be really good yep. and sometimes terrible. Yeah. You know, because it's putting pressure on their chest and so they often pull against it. Yeah. And one of the things, and I think this kind of goes to the breed thing, is I see people come in with an Arctic breed like the huskies and the malamutes and they've got a harness on them and they say oh he pulls all the time and I say I wonder what gave it away like (laughs) these these are dogs that's what they're bred for so I think breed Plays yeah. a big part in how you also select those. Uh, yeah, you know, well, then the lead. again,
1: those dolichocephalic, so the dogs with the long noses, they need to have usually a, a head harness on. So I know with my dog, we wear a head harness mm. because that stops the pulling. And particularly for some dogs with their um, trachea being quite soft, if they're pulling on their throat, you'll hear them coughing and hacking, and it's really quite awful. But they can do damage to their throat.
2: Yeah, I, I think we should try and, as a default, be using their head harnesses uh, wherever we can. Yeah. Because behaviorally, it just works so well with dogs because they respond uh, much better to that pressure on the back of the head and across the nose than they do... To pressure around their neck. Yeah,
1: and the other thing too with a head harness, often people think, oh, it's a muzzle. Well, it's not a muzzle. It actually is designed no. to to lead the dog's head just like if you were leading a horse like a along. Horse. Yeah. yeah. But they can still bite, they can bark, they can catch a ball, but the thing that they can't do is pull you along. So you can walk multiple dogs wearing a head harness. They're really, really good and should be considered a lot more than collars and um, and also mm. like you were saying, David, with the chest plates, you know, those um, they just learn to pull more and more
2: the the exception i have there is if you have your dog in a motor i know this is a bit off topic but if you have your dog in a motor vehicle that's when i like the harness around the body because it just gives you so much better restraint yes you can clip them into the seatbelt, and then if there is an accident they're not going to go flying through the car.
1: Yeah, yeah. I know that they're really good. But you know, there's so many different ways you can um calm your dog down, just make sure you're using some treats, use the, the proper um hardware on your dog, the 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 right collars, the right leads and um yeah, happy happy walking.
0: Oh a lot of great information there and we've all learnt something today. You get your dog on the left side, get a head harness, you'll be right.
2: That's it. Carry your gun on the right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> As we all do. Good afternoon, Trevor, at uh, to Nilba. You've got a border collie that's losing its hair. What's going on, Trevor?
4: Oh, it's losing hair, all right. It's losing it in chunks. Mm. Um, she's four-year-old. Right. She's healthy, pretty much no, nothing wrong with her. She's active. She's still digging trenches in the backyard. Um, she gets bathed once a fortnight, and I even noticed last week after she had a bath, she was. you run your hands for her coat, and she still is losing chunks of hair um even when i combed her last night it looked like i had a second dog um so i'm not sure why she's losing so much hair
2: um and how long have you noticed this for trevor
4: it's been off and on um when she was a about one year old she started losing it and i just put it down to that she was still sort of getting used to shedding and putting hair on as a learning um so it's probably restarted in the last oh, two months again.
2: All right, and have we got? Have you got bare patches of skin now? Or? No,
4: that's the funny part. I've got a, got one of those uh, special combs that uh, does the undercoat. Mm-hmm. So it seems to be the undercoat that she's losing. Um, okay, and it's mass amounts that she as she walks along the house because um, she's inside most of the time. Um, you've pretty much got to walk behind her and sweep it all up as she's going.
2: Yeah. So, and uh, you said she's four. Is she desexed?
4: That she's not. She she, not? she was going to be um, bred, but she um, never did get bred. So oh um, right. that's the next thing that I have to uh, look at doing. And she's what
2: a, what colour is she?
4: She's uh, black. She's a purebred. Black watercoli. and Black and white. Yeah, yeah, with a little bit of white on her. Oh, okay. Mostly right. black.
2: Yeah. Um, there can be a number of things going on. So a lot of these really long coated or the double coat breeds often will go through uh, these molting sheds at various times of the year and sometimes they you, they can lose substantial amounts of hair. Um, Cheryl, this would be a problem that you see yeah, all the time. I
1: just want to mention to Trevor, the tool that you've got that you're using isn't really a great tool to be using from a professional point of view um, on a border collie. Uh, is it the type that looks like a small, really tiny tooth um, blade edge on it?
4: um it 's like a it 's like a flea comb. yeah um, a furminator.
1: now, what that actually does it cuts the coat, so whilst it is removing some of the undercoat and a lot of the undercoat it would be removing. At the same time, it's actually cutting the guard hair, the hair that protects your dog from the weather, from all of the elements. So it will actually increase the amount of shed that your dog has. They were actually designed in America a long time ago by a groomer. Her husband put a handle on a blade and then they were able to sell it off. And they make considerable amount of money out of this product. But unfortunately, it's used and overused on dogs. So it it will continue to cut the hair. And then hair has a growth. It has a cycle. Michael, but what you're doing is cutting the hair. That hair is dying, and more hair, more undergrowth, mm. more undercoat is coming through all of the time. That's why she's going through a lot of shed. While it is it's natural not to sh- being sorry. used
4: on, I, I haven't used it on her. It was so I've got two border collies. Right. Um, I've actually got a nine-year-old uh, long hair thick border collie. Yep. So I use that on on him mm. when he gets really. Underneath his uh, chest. Yep. Um, her, the one I use on hers is just a normal um, comb that you get for the dogs to comb the the um, coat after they've had a, right. a bath. Yeah. So that comb hasn't been used on her for that for okay. any of that. Yep. Um, she's not a long, long hair. Um, she's sort of a fine um, hair dog. She has, but it's not a thick coat. It's a very thin coat that she's got
2: so one of the things that we we look at with dogs with this hair loss when we have reports of that is to look at what the normal coat looks like and then to look for signs of disease Um, so as cheryl said let's you know make sure that it's not related to parts of the grooming too much too little right equipment wrong equipment we've got to get that right first But then we want to look for other causes, and certainly dogs, like for people as well as dogs, skin is our biggest organ, okay, and it's exposed to the elements, so we get lots of different reactions, and it's our protection. It protects the internal organs, obviously. And so we can see things like uh, fungal infections, bacterial infections, parasites. Um, We can also see some, in Border Collies, we do recognize a genetic disorder that they can get called color dilution alopecia and it comes on between the age of six months and three years um and you can you know the reports are similar to what you're saying but that requires a fair bit of diagnostic testing with skin biopsies the first step i would suggest to you is a visit to the vet because they'll probably need to do a skin scrape um they'll probably do a fungal culture and just look at the pattern and also review parasite control fleas things like that because uh, you know, we want to keep it simple to start with before we dive in and look at things like um, skin biopsies and stuff like that. I'm going to bring right. my own
0: own issue to the table for you. You've got a sick elephant. You got me. <laughs> uh, How did you know?
2: I'm good on elephants.
0: Do I look like I'm in the circus? Am I a clown? Am I a clown to you, David? Is that what this is?
2: Uh-huh. I'm not going to answer. (laughs) I've got a rabbit question for you. Excellent. You'll pull that one out of a hat. There
0: we go. We'll do that next to Pet Chat. (laughs) Now, look, if nothing else, I'm going to bring something to this program for you. I'm going to bring a pet issue for you to solve. Bring it on. involves a couple of rabbits. So for one of my nieces, had to get a rabbit back in May for her birthday. Got that. Rabbit was fine. Started to get a little bit more of an agitated personality. So she starts to bite a little bit more. and, And even when you're putting the food in... Sort of just you know will bite you, biting mm. the hand that feeds you. Mm. Younger niece thought it was a great idea. She needs a rabbit as well. We got her uh, now a little really tiny rabbit. Then we thought we'd try and have them living together. Bad idea. Those no. girls do oh. not get along. In fact, the the now bigger one just tries to eat the the other one. A, what do we do about it? And B, are they ever going to be able to live together in harmony?
2: Well, uh, this is the one of the things about rabbits is that. They're so cute and cuddly looking. And you look at them and you go, oh, aren't they gorgeous? And then they just want to eat you. Basically. <laughs> Those, they can... And it's so cute. It's got well, the bluest yeah. eyes. It's and then, a nice you know, fluffy,
0: but not so much for the personality.
2: Right. Um, well, if you look at a rabbit, like their natural uh, place in, I guess, the environment, the ecosystem is that Just are say a food chain. Just say pr- it. <laughs> okay. They're a prey species. They've got really two defences one is run away one is freeze but if you actually get close enough they'll probably bite and they've got some pretty good chompers haven't they
0: i know this i had okay. uh, my my head got a little bit sore from right it. yeah
2: yeah um so putting them together yes you are going to see problems one of the things i think is worthwhile now these are two female rabbits two you
0: females said? N- from different parts of the hunter so they don't okay. not, not they don't know each other until right now. they
2: haven't exchanged cards or anything no. um i would first of all Suggest about getting them desexed, and that's just a general rule for rabbits anyway. Because female rabbits are going to develop health problems if they're not desexed. They'll li- live longer. It may have a modifying influence on their behaviour. I won't hold on to that, but mm. you you never know because certainly the hormonal influence will play a role. Um, and then we go back to kind of a principle that we would use with any species, I guess, like dogs and so on, is when you want to introduce them. We're going to do it slowly. We want to make sure that there's enough um, resources, which is food, uh, shelter, somewhere to hide, uh, and people, like the connection with people. Because rabbits will actually be comfortable with someone, and if someone else comes in, they get scared, and if they're scared, they get defensive. So changes in bringing things in, like a new rabbit, can create this uh, defensive posture, which could be, Go on the attack. Well,
0: one of the things that we've decided that we'll do um, mm-hmm. is because they've now got a big, a ma- a bigger rabbit heart yeah. yeah, and uh, to somehow sort of divide that space yes. so they can they can sort of in you know, almost like a duplex.
2: See, they can or see smell each, each other. other. Yeah, yeah, and and then that way they can kind of get used to being in the same space, and then gradually you could give them some supervised mm. time together, and just be prepared to intervene. I certainly would not leave them together alone.
0: Oh, that's not an option? No. No, because we'll have, you know, one dead rabbit and a couple of upset kids. Upset
2: kids, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so just go easy, go slow, uh, and try and put the structures in place, literally the physical structures, to limit their exposure to each other and then just allow that to happen under supervision.
0: One other caveat, there's a third child who also wants... Another rabbit. Another <laughs> rabbit. Yeah, so should we be getting that third one now so it's it's brand new with the newest one, or is that just going to just throw everything... No, you're shaking your head.
2: Uh, mm. I think you want to walk before you run. Okay. You add a third rabbit in, you're going to trigger the same kind of reactions all over again, the same mm. process.
0: And possibly with the, the middle... What would be then the middle rabbit?
2: Well, you might find the two older rabbits, if you like, might gang up on the newer one.
0: Okay. But, yeah, but... Okay, because they're very the little one is little. So little, I'm little. thinking if there's a little one, it would be the same size and age as the littlest. So there'd be two little ones again, and the big one.
2: Maybe, maybe. Yeah, this yep. consultation is running very long, Mark. Uh,
1: <laughs> you might need some guinea pigs to put in there.
2: Would that work? Oh, uh, yeah. David saying no. Uh, I always think you'd kind of like you want to get control of this situation, yeah. and then. You know, you start adding things in, and next thing you know, you've got Noah's Ark, and where are you going to put the giraffes?
0: (laughs) Yeah, and 40 days of flood. All right, so uh, we'll keep that in mind. No more rabbits. The oldest one gets a bike. There we go. We're about to head into the dogs of the week, mm. Cheryl, and this is one of your favourite segments. You get to pour over these dogs uh, and look you, at you these. just love it, don't you?
1: These are so cute. I love Chihuahuas. I know that you're a little bit funny about that, David, but they are gorgeous. I should have given
0: them to David to reach. Yeah,
1: we should have. But look, it's Lexi and Levi, and they're a bonded pair. Oh, they're really cute. What does that mean,
2: bonded pair?
1: They, they want to live together. They can't be separated. These two have got to stay together. Mm, okay. okay. You know. So, Okay. So if you're looking for a little couple that want to join your family, Lexi is four and a half and Levi is one and a half year old chihuahuas. They're affectionate and their kisses will steal your heart. Lexi and Levi love each other so much they need to stay together. Both are a little timid, which is quite common with chihuahuas, so they'll need a quiet environment. Lexi is the shyer of the two. Levi has itchy skin. Mm, He's going to have to have a management situation put in place for him. Lexi and Levi love a cuddle and their favourite spot is to snuggle on your lap together. Um, And Levi always makes sure that Lexi is close by. They are a happy couple who love playing with soft toys and even enjoy chasing them. If you throw them, they'll bring them back to you. They're coming along well with their house training. They get along well with small dogs and so... Um, And so, and they are so, being so tiny, they will need to have other small dogs if you are choosing to have dogs live with them. They're best suited for a family with children over 14 and no cats.
0: Mm. Oh dear. Yeah.
1: Um, Lexi and Levi are inside dogs and that's because they're tiny and they need lots of um, protection in the cold weather. They don't like being left at home on their own, so it's probably important if you're um, home a lot, these would be a good couple for you. They like to sleep on your bed and they settle in the night very well. So... If you're Levi. interested in Levi and Lexi. Yeah,
0: a couple of good ones there. And yeah. we've even got another dog of the week. So if you if you think two's too much, we'll try we'll try this little American Staffy uh, for you.
1: Yeah, his this little guy. Cajun is 3 months old and he's an American Staffy cross. Um he, he is probably, they're saying he's uh, an American Staffy Terrier Mix dog. He's three months old and he's a typical puppy. He's got lots and lots of energy. He runs hard and fast until he needs recharging. He's very healthy.
0: He's raised Who in a he, home. he, the <laughs> energizer bunny or something? <laughs> he,
1: he's, very, um, he's been raised in a home environment and well socialised with other dogs, both small and medium. He gets along with all dogs and he loves people and he's very friendly and affectionate. Um, He'll grow up to be a medium dog and we will recommend puppy training so that he um, gets the best start in life. And he needs plenty of exercise, affection and training. Um, He'll be a great playmate for any other dog that you have in your household. Um, And he likes people, so I think he's a really good one. You'll need to make sure you've got fences with no gaps because he doesn't want to escape. Bit of an
0: escape artist, isn't it, by the look of things? Well, when
1: they're puppies like that, they do need to make sure they're protected. Mm. Mm.
0: All right, so if you'd like to check those out, make your way up to our webpage, 2NURFM.com, the pet chat area, and, of course, the dog, plural, dogs Dogs. of the week. Dogs for everybody. Dogs for everyone. David?
2: Oh, I've got my hands full. You've your hands one full. one dog.
0: You've also got, we've got a couple of minutes, so you've got a bit more information we'd like to pour through this afternoon?
2: That's right, Mark. We're, well, not far away to spring, uh, the way the weather's going. Mm. Um, so one of the things we see that happens in spring is all the trees produce pollen and the grass produces seed, and then the grass seeds come off the grass and they end up inside your dog. That's not good. Mm. That's not good. We see that a lot. And look, way, way, way back, last century... Uh, In one of my first jobs working in the Hunter Valley, we used to see farm dogs all the time up in Colburn that uh, got grass seeds. And they would go in their ears, they go in their eyes, they go in between their toes, they go uh, up in under their armpit, in their groin. And I've seen them inhaled and go down into their airways and then come out into their lungs and into the pleural space or they go in through the skin. They're just relentless. They really are Um, One of the things about these grass seeds, most of the ones that we see problems with is they have these long awns on the side. So as they travel through, they're sharp at one end and they get wider. And so they can only go one direction. They can't back out. So once they enter a space, they'll just keep travelling. And uh, a lot of these grass seeds carry bacteria. Some of them will carry fungus deep inside your dog and cause lots and lots of problems. Um, We... You know, in some cases, it can be easy to diagnose. You know, we look down the ear and we can see a grass seed, but they're not always easy to remove. And certainly if they get inside the chest or something and cause pleuritis and pleurisy, then, you know, they can be really dangerous. Um, And those dogs, I remember a couple of dogs that I've seen uh, over the years that have had that happen. Um, And it can be really hard to even find the grass seed, but we've got this big trail of pass an infection through the body we have to flush all of that out and they're often on extended period of antibiotics a lot of people who work or their dogs or their dogs are out in the country in farms and things like that they're alert to this sort of problem so they'll check their dog every single day sometimes you'll pick up a grass seed and it's just on the outside of their skin may not have actually penetrated yet it could be tangled in the coat um, but it's going in and the earlier you get it out the better so the key thing is prevention check your dog every single day
0: Yeah, just take a look every day and, and hopefully you stay on top of that absolutely thank you Dr David
2: Tabbert great program
0: thanks, from you sir All right. and Cheryl Shaw as always great to see you we'll be back next week with some more fun on pet chat yes absolutely thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle topics range from gardening to health